If you would, would you open your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 31 to 44. It'll be our time uh, together this morning. When Kyle sent me this text, um, read through it, I kind of know, we, we all know this passage, I'm like, so can my sermon title be Demons and Mother-in-Laws? And he was like, well, no, probably not so much. And good news, because my mother-in-law is here today, so well, that's, that's a good thing. So, um, and, and so, if you would read with me, beginning in verse 31. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! Whatever you, whatever you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he rose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever and had left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. May God add blessing to the reading of his word here. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray here this morning that you bless preaching of your word, that your spirit would empower it to change hearts and minds, to comfort and to bring peace and to instill hope. All in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So during our time together here in, in Luke 31 to 44, I want you to keep on the forefront of your mind these three questions. Who or what do you listen to? Right? Broaden that spectrum, around, not just, not just talking about biblical, but everything that you hear. What do you, who or what do you listen to? Second, who or what do you serve? And thirdly, who or what is your hope? 
Right? Who or what do you listen to? Who or what do you serve? Or who or what is your hope? Now, since we're sitting in church, our answer most likely and hopefully is Jesus, right? But is it just Jesus? Or is it Jesus, right? Which one is it? Is it Jesus or is it Jesus? Who or what we listen to or who or what we serve or who or what we hope in, all these are contingent on what sin or illness or loss we or others around us are struggling with at any given moment. Now let's broaden the answer a little bit. Is it simply knowing Jesus has the authority and power to reverse the effects of the destructive presence of sin and chaos in your life? Or does Jesus have the authority and power to reverse the effects of the destructive presence of sin and chaos in your life? Right? Do you just know or does he? Right? Those are kind of two things we want to sort of unpack here this morning. Now, if you turn to your bulletin, you'll find there on page five, sort of an outline of our time together. And what we have there is what we call the big idea. The big idea of hope is one sentence, in one sentence, you know, the discussion on our text here this morning. And the big idea is this, that Jesus' kingdom authority wipes away the destructive effects of sin. Jesus' kingdom authority wipes away the destructive effects of sin. And the first point we want to, we want to talk about here is Jesus' authority in his teaching. Jesus' authority in his teaching. Now, all through Luke, up to this point, Luke has sort of given us interludes of who Jesus is, right? He tells Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. And he's going to save his people. Then the angels proclaim that he is, the, he is the one. He is the one who sets in the heavens. And the shepherds here, he is the king coming to rule over everybody, right? And, and then we get Simeon, and they've been waiting for this Savior, this Messiah to come, and he's come, and they're all like, find peace now. And, and then Jesus steps on the scene and is baptized and is powered by the Holy Spirit and tempted by Satan and sort of shoves Satan aside by the power of God's word. Better than the first Adam is the second Adam. And so Luke is sort of preluding towards you know, who Jesus is. And Jesus begins his ministry in Capernaum here and sort of steps on the scene and right away, does it without skipping a beat, establishes his authority. See, Capernaum is a town in Galilee known for its trade and commerce. It was a busy place full of people. Uh, Capernaum would become Jesus' sort of home base, right? Capernaum's kind of maybe like Omaha. You know, you lived on the outskirts, but you always went in to buy stuff, to trade, and all that good stuff. And we read in verse 31, And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. Standard teaching practice for rabbis in those days was to quote scribes and other rabbis. So, so-and-so says this, so-and-so said this, 
this is what so-and-so said about this piece of scripture. I've heard this said from this guy that this is what this scripture is about. So that's how it kind of worked in the synagogues. Now, we kind of know that because we have experienced that in our lives too. We have different, we've sat in front of different teachers, right? Teachers teach different ways. They teach different things because they're taught by other people certain ways. I can go to one teacher of English and she can teach another way and go to another school to another teacher and all of a sudden you're like, well, that's not what, that's not what I was taught. And so as you went from synagogue to synagogue, there was all these different teachings and it was really hard to kind of really know what the Word of God was really about because they weren't teaching the Word of God. They were teaching the Word of other scribes, of other rabbis, of other, of, of other priests. But as we work through Luke's Gospel, we will read Jesus constantly saying, well, you heard it said, but I say. To, to quote get Kent Hughes here, he says it, he, he sums it up in one good sentence. He says, Jesus preached God's word, not just about God's word. Right? Jesus preached God's word, not just about God's word. His preaching of the law and the prophets was clear and simple, as it has been with all true preachers of the word. Right? Just because Jesus was the word of God, he didn't complicate it. It was, it was clear. It was simple. And people were able to like, how can I, I can understand this? They were amazed. And everyone in the synagogue, their minds were blown. They were astonished for his word possessed authority. So not only was it clear and simple, there was a, there was a sense of authority about it, and they, they, they knew what he was talking about. Now, it's kind of unfair for those of us who stand up here and you know attempt to preach God's word but he does it with such ease and clarity. Well, because he is the word of God. He knows God's word better than any being in creation. And through him and in him, all things were created. And it is to him that the law, the written word of God, finds us yes and amen. They all have been listening to all these other teachers of God's word their whole lives and really are at best maybe churched, right? They're, they're at best, they kind of know who God is. They know about Him. They know some of the stuff He's done. But then Jesus comes on the scene and He teaches the Word of God with great authority and proclaims God's Word clearly and with conviction. Now one thing I want us to see here, and we can't miss this, Touched a little bit on it in Sunday school this morning with Jeremiah, right? Why, why is Israel so hamstrung on turning their back on their God, right? And it's, it's this one key thing here. Where there's an absence of the authority of God's word, there's a place for false teaching and leading God's people astray. Right? Where there's, where there's an absence of the authority of God's word, there's a place for false teaching and leading God's people astray. That was a problem with Israel and Judah. The priests and all the, and all the prophets, they were just slinging out this stuff because people were pleased to hear it. God's not going to do nothing to you. Oh, good. That's good news. You know, But it was all false. It wasn't true. 
And so in the absence of God's word and his authority and his God's word, there's a place for false teaching and leading God's people astray. So again, to address that first question, who are you listening to? Right? Who are you listening to? Is it Jesus? Or is it simply about Jesus? Is it God's Word? Or is it just simply about God's Word? The good news is, is when the authority of God's kingdom is present in the preaching of His Word, the people of God can't help but to listen in amazement and come to Jesus. There's authority. There's clarity. There's simplicity in Jesus' preaching and in His Word. Second point we want to talk about, and this, gonna, this will take up a good chunk of our time because there's a lot here. Um, second point is, is that Jesus' authority and power over sin and chaos. Jesus' authority and power over sin and chaos. So in this same synagogue we read, and in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. Now whenever I've come to this text, I've always asked myself two questions. One, has this unclean spirit been allowed to disrupt the teaching and hang out in the synagogue for who knows how long? Right? Is he constantly leading people astray? Is he throwing out some false teaching and the, the, and the rabbis there who maybe don't really know what they're talking about just kind of goes with it? Or has this unclean spirit been lying dormant, hanging out in this backwater town in Galilee, and to his surprise, then walks Jesus into this particular synagogue? Right? He's sitting in the back row, all of a sudden Jesus is like, oh, great. Right? Now, now what? Now what am I supposed to do? Nevertheless, the spirit of an unclean demon was sitting and hanging out in the synagogue. Why? Well, again, because where there's an absence of the authority of God's word, there's a place for the destructive presence of sin and chaos. Not only that, the demon moves forward. He bears to testimony about Jesus. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with, me, with us, Jesus of Nazareth? A little jab there, because in our previous text last week, you know, Nazareth, so who, who's this? The son of Joseph, the carpenter? Why, why should I listen to what? He's claiming that he's the Messiah? Nah, I don't think so. So the demon here is kind of giving a little poke here. Ha, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Well, yes, but his timing is a little presumptuous. Not quite yet, right? Jesus will come again where they will be dealt with and they will be gone away with. So the demon's time frame is a little off. I know who you are the Holy One of God. just want to say bingo. Right? And in verse 41, down in verse 41 too, the demons acknowledge, say, you are the Son of God. Well, huh. 
Yes, He is. He is the Holy One of God. He is the anointed King of David's line. Anointed in the power of the Spirit, the King of Kings. I think one of the most complexing things in the New Testament is that the demons get it and the people don't. Right? The demons really get it. They know who Jesus is. They know what He's come to do, but the people just, just don't get it. And all these demons give lip service to Jesus' kingdom authority. The demon's not submitting or giving himself up for service. Now, he's not doing that. He's not giving himself up to service to Jesus. But he knows his kingdom authority and power. How well do you know that? Right? Do you, do you, do you proclaim that? But Jesus, at the end of the day, does not allow them to speak. Are they speaking the truth? Oh, yes, they are. Jesus is the Holy One of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Right? He has, He will come and destroy them. But will they continue to speak the truth? No. Are they attempting to glorify God in their testimony? No. No. They're mocking. Are they working to further the kingdom of God to all nations? No. No. Their, their means is destruction. Their, their purpose is to destroy. Jesus restrains, restrains them from bearing testimony about him because there's no place for the testimony of demons in the kingdom of God. That's why he silences. That why he doesn't answer because there is no place for the testimony of demons in the kingdom of God. False teaching and apostasy opens the door for sin and chaos. Who are you listening to? Now, if there was ever a question on how to win an argument with the destructiveness of the devil's chaos, well, verse 35 gives us an answer. Be silent and come out of him. When the authority of God's kingdom is present, even the devil and his soldiers cannot prevail. The devil himself could not prevail against God's word in tempting Jesus, and he cannot prevail against the incarnate word here. God's word is the authority. Full stop. Friends, with the best of our strength and our will, it is not enough to overcome sin and the chaos of the devil. No, we need Jesus to step on the scene with great authority and say, be silent and come out of him. We need to be constantly praying and preaching the gospel to ourselves daily, right? To keep God's word in our heart, to keep God's word in our mind, to keep all the false teaching and apostasy at bay, that we can't allow sin and chaos to enter into our lives and disrupt our mind and our hearts and lead us astray. In the presence of His kingdom authority, He will set the captives free and bring peace to God's people. This is the message proclaimed in the, uh, in the Isaiah scroll that Jesus read in Nazareth. The good news of the Messiah. What's amazing is the good news doesn't really stop there. Right? Jesus' authority and teaching and Jesus' authority over the demons, 
Now he comes on the scene and he's going to show his authority over sickness. In verse 38, we read, And he rose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. What we need to understand here is, is our 21st century fever is kind of taking ibuprofen, wait a couple days, and we're good. But first century fever, she was ill with a high fever. Really what Luke is trying to say is like Simon's mother-in-law was dying. Right? She was dying and she was so sick to the point where her fever was so high. Back then you didn't have the medicine to reverse that. And verse 39, And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left. This is the same language as in verse 35 that Jesus used with the demon. Jesus rebuked him. The Greek word here is epitemio, means to correct. Right? Unclean spirits and sickness and death is not how it's supposed to be. And Jesus, by the authority of his word, corrects what is not supposed to be. He corrects all that, all the fallenness of, of the world, the sin, and all the fallenness of creation. He corrects it in his presence by his word. Done. And immediately... She rose and began to serve them immediately. And she began to serve them. Jesus' healing is always instantaneous. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you were a victim of sort of this season's you know, influenza A. But I'm going to tell you what, after having a fever, I, I didn't rise up immediately and start serving nobody. You know, I was probably out for three or four more days. Some people were out for a week or so after. It was devastating. That would have been nice for Jesus to give some of that immediate healing. But his healing it was instantaneous. It shows his authority over all things. Not just some things, but every little tit and tattle of creation. He has authority over it all. And when the authority of God's kingdom is present, those who have been renewed can't help but to serve Him. Right? I don't know if you've been a recipient of that, but then they, you should not just be able to, can't help but to serve Him. So to ask the next question, who are you serving? Who are you serving? Have you been made well? And I'm not just talking physically, but also spiritually. Has Jesus come into your life and renewed you? And if so, how have you responded? How are you serving to, how are you serving God's kingdom? And people begin to sort of catch wind of Jesus' work as we read in verse 40. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any were sick with various diseases brought them to him and laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. All were coming. All wanted to be healed. And Jesus healed everyone. They didn't have to go through a screening process. We know in Luke's 
gospel, the melodic line is that the gospel of Jesus is for everyone. If you're here today and you're like, well, this just isn't for me. No, it is for you. It's for everyone. So I want to say everyone here this morning, everyone, follower of Jesus or not a follower of Jesus, if you're weary and heavy laden, come to Jesus and find rest. If you're weak and you're wounded, come to Jesus and find peace. If you're sick and sore, come to Jesus and be healed. If you confess that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, come to Jesus and be saved. He has the power and authority to do all that. Take comfort and know that Jesus' kingdom authority will wipe away the destructive effects of sin. The third point we want to make, and we'll, we'll, we'll move quickly here, um, preach the good news of His kingdom come. Preach the good news of His kingdom come. Verse 42, when, And when it was day, He departed and went into a desolate place, and the people sought Him and came to Him and would have kept Him from leaving. But He said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Not only does Jesus possess divine authority, but he is also submissive to the authority of the Father. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So if we kind of put these questions alongside of Jesus at this point, what we see is, who does Jesus listen to? Well, he listens to the Father, right? He goes off to a desolate place and he goes to pray. He goes to seek wisdom and counsel from his heavenly Father. He listens to God. Who does Jesus serve? Well, again, he serves the Father. I must preach for I was sent for this purpose. He does the Father's will perfectly and obediently. And what is Jesus' hope? Were you like, well, Jesus, does Jesus need hope? Well, biblical hope is assuredness and certainty. He knew he would die on a cross, but he also knew that he would be resurrected, ascended into heaven, and returned to bring the new heavens and the new earth to rule and reign in glory forever. So if you would, turn with me to Revelations chapter 21. Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who 
And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Not only is Jesus' kingdom authority relevant to God's spiritual children in this present age, it's also the hope and promise to his children that he will come again in power and glory to make all things new. Right? If you're wondering where we were going here with this text, the text is simply a, a foresight of the good news of the kingdom of God. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. So not only does this text show us how Jesus' kingdom authority delivers from the destructive effects of sin and chaos in our lives today, but Luke here is also giving us a glimpse of Jesus' future kingdom. In the presence of Jesus, sin and Satan have no dominion or authority. It will be no more. Right? When His kingdom comes and He comes again, all will be wiped away. No more sickness, no more sadness. Everything is gone. Everything will be, He will sit on the throne and, and make everything new. That's our hope. So I asked a question, the last question, where is your hope? Where does your hope lie? Is it hope in kind of whatever you see in, in tomorrow? Or is it in Jesus returning and wiping away all of our sin, all of our sickness, all the death, all the cancers that we've dealt with, they're all gone. We pray for that day. There will be no more. When the authority of God's kingdom is present, there will be no more sin. No more tears and no more death. Jesus' presence again will make all things new. So again, who are you listening to? Is it God's word or is it about God's word? Who are you serving? Is it God's kingdom now? Or who is your hope in? Is it in Jesus' kingdom to come? Wherever you are in those questions, just know and trust in Jesus' kingdom authority and just come to Him and find peace. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, Father, weak and wounded and sick and sore, drawn down by the depravity of our sin, Lord, Father, we, we pray. We are grateful that you have given us a Savior to save us from all that. Lord, we pray that we go forward, that we be diligent to just listen to the authority and set under the authority of your word. To serve you and your kingdom and your kingdom to come. And Father, cling to the hope of Jesus coming again and making all things new. We pray all this in His name. Amen.